I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. Through this podcast, I aim to empower and inspire jewelry entrepreneurs and innovators so they can thrive by doing what they love. I'm passionate about digital marketing for jewelry brands, and I'm excited to share my passion with you. This is episode 115, and today I'm going to be sharing my interview with Jason Flagel, a branding and marketing expert who has supported global brands like Abercrombie & Fitch and has worked with prominent figures like Kevin Harrington. I knew that I liked Jason when I talked to him because when I asked him how to pronounce his last name, he said, Flagel, like the bagel. And I was like, ooh. I love bagels. For those of you who know me personally, bagel making is kind of a little hobby of mine. So I knew that Jason and I were definitely on the same wavelength with that. He's currently a consultant and a catalyst success partner with individuals and organizations coming alongside them, empowering them, and positioning them for growth. In this episode, I specifically tap Jason's tap into Jason's knowledge about content marketing, and we truly have a great conversation about how jewelry brands can use content to grow organically. One really exciting thing I want to share with you is Jason offered his time to do a follow-up episode. So if you have any questions that come up while you're listening to this episode and you want to get my feedback and Jason's feedback on a follow-up episode, you can visit joyjoya.com ask, and there's a contact form there. You can even remain anonymous if you want, and you can ask any question that you have for us to address on a future podcast episode. Also, I'd love to open up if you ever have ideas for this podcast, things that you want me to address and discuss, you can visit joyjoya.com ask and type in anything your heart desires. Even ask me about bagel tips if you want. I'm happy to cover them. Um, And of course, you can remain anonymous. So if you're shy, you can just type your question and I will get it anonymously. But before we get to the episode, I want to share some marketing-related news and insights from the past week that caught my attention. So as most of you know, the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show has been on a lot of people's minds. It happens around this time of year. It's kind of a bummer that we can't attend. It's one of many events canceled due to COVID. And it's a huge disappointment for many fossil mineral gem and jewelry vendors who rely on that event for networking discovery and education. The opportunity to build new relationships and establish trust is very much needed in this industry and really in any industry. So to address this, the colored gemstone trade along with many other sectors are doing something different. They're embracing the the digital aspect of the event. And despite not having an in-person show, many dealers and brands are now taking the virtual approach to connect with buyers and boost sales. The digital approach is actually a major benefit in this case because it creates expansion and allows for sales to not just be focused on this one very short time of year, but in fact, it can potentially be evenly distributed throughout the year, so they're not relying on in-person shows any longer. I think that's a really interesting pivot and a very necessary one. So 
I heard that Chanel is suing a Georgia-based accessory company for taking buttons from Chanel garments and then repurposing them to sell as jewelry. Okay, whatever. Who cares about that? I think the real point of this article is that Creating and managing a successful brand is a source of a competitive advantage to modern organizations. So a brand like Chanel, which is so recognized by its logo, by its brand marks, really has to protect that because they've taken decades to create awareness around that. Um, And the power of a brand is is immeasurable. So in this case, I thought it was interesting that they're going after this jewelry brand in an effort to protect their own identity because who wants to see their brand misused or misrepresented in other scenarios and situations? And finally, this new company has decided to release AirPod earrings for all your Zoom calls. So if you wear AirPods or, you know, the headphones during your Zoom calls and you want to look a little more glamorous, they've created this type of earring that I guess like wraps around or can be integrated with AirPod earrings. On one hand, so why is this related to marketing? Well, on one hand, I think it's cool that a company is trying to guess about what a consumer might like. They see that more people are on Zoom calls and that they have to kind of get dressed up with accessories and fashion from the waist up in order to look good on those Zoom calls. But it also brings up an interesting question for me. Is this actually something a customer wants? So you know, knowing your customers, creating products that your customers will love is really the mark of a successful brand. So I personally don't know this company. I don't know how much market research they've done around the demand for for something like this. I think it uh, we'll need to wait and see if this kind of thing will be successful or not. But it really, again, brings up the question for me, do you know your customer? And is this actually something your customer wants? Who knows? I don't know if I would wear AirPod earrings, but maybe you would, maybe there are other people out there who would also. Anyway, if you wanna get the links to the articles I share in this segment of the podcast, you can always sign up for my email newsletter by visiting joyjoya.com slash sign up, and you'll get a digest with the links every time a new episode drops. Okay, let's get to my interview with Jason. So Jason, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I would love if you could share a little bit of your background in marketing and explain to the listeners, how did you first get into the marketing field? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Larissa. It's great to be here with you and the the listeners too. I'm so uh, excited about this opportunity. Uh, really excited about this discussion too, because this is something I actually I know, Larissa. You and I we were talking offline. I had just worked with a jewelry brand uh, to do some marketing, digital marketing. So very timely uh, conversation. But um, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I did background in uh, biology medicine, actually, so was accepted into medical school, dental school, which is a complete like 180 (laughs) from what I'm doing now. Uh, But long story short, uh, while I was in college, I actually just started working for nonprofit organizations, um, small businesses, and just saw I had this kind of skill to apply like my research background and my education and see like 
oh, they're struggling with these kinds of things. Well, let's just research what other people are doing that are maybe in a better spot and let's reverse engineer it and apply it to that company. So I actually got involved in working with a lot of political think tanks, nonprofits um, as a, a freshman, sophomore in college, fell in love with it, didn't go the medical route. Uh, and then basically, you know, just taught myself all the kind of skills I needed. I got jobs. I, I found mentors that were in a position that I wanted to be in. Um, and then just kind of started adding those uh, skills to my toolbox. So everything from, you know, digital marketing, content marketing, writing, uh, web development, all that kind of stuff. So I had the opportunity to work with like uh, Abercrombie and Fitch as an e-com developer. I've helped scale multiple digital agencies, marketing agencies, uh, everything from sales to web development, computer programming. Um, and then, you know, had the opportunity to work with some pretty well-known influencers like Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, uh, the John Maxwell Company, the Ziegler Corporation. So, yeah, my real uh, kind of call and mission is to just serve people as much as I can, add value to them and help them get from where they are to where they want to go in that best way possible. I love hearing about your background and I really don't think it's super uncommon for marketers to like have this kind of like totally unrelated background. Yeah. I was listening to this other podcast yesterday um, with an email marketing expert and she was saying she went to school to study theater, but the production yeah. side of it, and she was explaining how much like that production background helped her execute and consult on email marketing campaigns. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, you, I think that's one of the biggest things that <laughs> I don't know if it's a misconception, but like I, I encourage people not to do a major or education in marketing because having a diverse background or skill set allows you to look at things with a unique perspective. Like me, you know, I come from a science background. I come from a technology background with computer programming too. Uh, and now with marketing, digital marketing, um, I have like these kind of three to four different kinds of lenses uh, to offer perspectives and, you know, for different companies. Cause as you know, Larissa, you know, when you work with all these different brands, every one of them is unique. They have different challenges, but there's some commonalities there. So it's just figuring out what is the best way to serve them. Absolutely. So you mentioned like all this different background in digital marketing, what services do you, are you currently offering brands and what types of brands do you typically work with? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I kind of have a unique approach now. So I, I have multiple companies. I work uh, with one of the best SEO agencies uh, in the country out in Silicon Valley. But my company specifically, Catalyst Brand Group, focuses on growth. So yeah, a lot of people do websites. A lot of people do email marketing, content marketing, things like that. But I focus on the results. So how do you use those skills, platforms, systems to actually drive growth for that company. So most of what Catalyst does, um, we focus on serving companies in three main areas. So their brand, helping them get really clear on who they are, understanding that hero's kind of journey 
So as the guide, the brand, how are you serving that ideal customer or client and moving them along that specific journey? And then platform, building a, a really high quality website, mobile application, uh, doing content marketing, the SEO, everything on there, again, that drives growth connected to that unique brand identity. And then finally growth. So that's paid ads, sales funnels, uh, sometimes implementing a CRM, a whole like task manage management tool. So pretty much those three areas you can think of like every brand um, as like a tabletop and each one of those are the specific legs that that table needs to be you know stable to to have a solid kind of footing so that's pretty much what we do with catalyst um, and to answer your question about like any specific industries or niches not really I mean we work with everyone from you know insurance um, providers insurance companies to very specific niches niches like um you know in the jewelry kind of brand one of the recent clients we worked with was um el S uh, santo mercado so you know it's a spanish um uh, jewelry brand down in miami and it was kind of geared more and targeted more for Spanish-speaking people. So, you know, very, very niche focus, very um, specific focus on who they were trying to serve. So any, any kind of industry um, and all kind of levels, you know, we work with startup brands all the way up to enterprise-level clients. Great. I was actually, you kind of just answered the next question that I had, but <laughs> I'm really interested in the concept of growth marketing. Because I feel like perhaps not all brands are maybe ready for that stage, but it sounds like from what you're saying, you kind of help them lay the foundation to, to mm -hmm. get there. Yeah. Are, do you like turn down clients? Are there certain brands that you think are better prepared or positioned for that growth than others? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just had two conversations, Larissa, today, actually, prior to us getting on here. Um, but it's I look for companies um, and specifically founders or, you know, upper level leadership that is number one, hungry. They, they want to they want to grow their company and they're serious about, you know, making progress for their own growth. Um, so if there are individuals I'm talking with that don't have that, yeah, I, I don't want to work with them. Um, and then number two, they've got to be teachable. You know, for me, I'm a very teachable person. I have my own coaches and, and mentors that I reach out to learn from. And likewise, I, everyone should have that same kind of system. So for me, it's like, I've got to um, see that they demonstrate that they listen and that they apply, you know, kind of strategies, different recommendations, things like that. Because uh, if they're not, uh, if they're not teachable, the, anything you kind of work with them as an advisor, uh, I think digital marketing, any kind of person who serves businesses, um, you're an advisor to a certain extent. So, you know, being teachable is huge. So I, I yeah, I say, I think I say no a lot more than saying yes to working with clients and potential clients. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I would really love to focus the topic of this episode specifically on content marketing. It's something surprisingly I haven't really talked about very much on this podcast, but it's I'm a huge evangelist of it and I love content marketing. I believe in its effectiveness, but I also feel maybe it's a very big topic to unpack. So maybe that's why I haven't talked about it very much. Um, but I would love to know what does content marketing mean to you? How would you define it in your own words? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, content marketing done right is one of the most effective growth vehicles for a business. So whether you're selling information, a product or a service, it is one of the most effective ways to um, identify and bring in your ideal customer or client. So again, if it's done right, there's a lot of people out there who say they do content marketing, but it's just, it's not really done effectively. Um, and it's due to a number of reasons, which we'll probably get into Larissa a little bit later in the conversation. But yeah, I mean, content marketing, content is everything uh, that is an extension of your brand. So, um, you know, you look at great examples like Apple that we hold up on this high pedestal all the time of, you know, it's, it's something that people immediately recognize just by looking at the logo. And it's, it's this idea of what is that ethos, that meaning of your brand, that unique character that separates you from everyone else. Um, and then how do you create all of that messaging material that, that connects to that brand? So like, are you blogging? Are you putting your social media posts out there? Are you, you know, doing videos that are going on your YouTube channel, your Pinterest boards, you know, things like that. Um, it's got to have, I call it the storyline. It's a line from start to finish where, you know, you look at their um, images on, on Instagram, you look at the pins on Pinterest, they all have a unique theme that's connected back to that brand identity. So to me, content marketing really is, you know, what is the value that you're delivering to people through these specific kind of content pieces, social media posts, blog posts, you know, free eBooks, a free video series, things like that. Um, and then as you deliver value, people trust you more. They want to, they want to know more about you. They want to know, wow, who is this person that's, you know, I don't even know yet, but they're already adding value to me. So to me, content marketing really is just defined as how, how do you serve other people? How does your brand serve other people? And then how do you initially start serving people with, you know, some free kind of giveaways, some free uh, eBooks, video series, things like that. And then the rest kind of comes after that. But to me, it's just any kind of uh, supplementary materials that's connected to your brand, website, social media platforms, speaking engagements, things like that. It's all connected back to who you are and who you're brand is. Yeah. Even this podcast is an example of content marketing. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, podcasts are great. Like Gary V is a big person, you know, who talks about his um, content formula. Um, I have a very similar content formula, which we'll talk about Larissa at some point uh, here in the conversation, I'm sure. But, you know, he breaks it down as pillar content, micro content and social content pillar content are your long form video uh, or audio pieces of content like this larissa you know your pillar content is this weekly uh, show or however often you do your show uh and then you know other brands that might be a, a regular youtube video or something it's big pieces that you then break out to micro content you might transcribe your episodes to have a blog post you do guest blog posts on other platforms uh short form video audio you share it out uh and then you have the basis to do your your uh, social media posts so you know you create all of that again it's that storyline it's connected from the big pieces down to the bottom so if you know what you're doing you can have like a handful of pillar content pieces like four to six and you you might have enough content for an entire year to share out like on social media so. Absolutely. That was such a great explanation and definition. Curious, like how does content marketing differ from other types of digital marketing? 
Yeah, so I, I, I kind of break down how I serve businesses because I see a natural areas of segmentation of their business. So brand, platform, and their growth. Um, content marketing falls into that the platform. So once you have an identity of the brand, you need to you need to create a place where people can get to you and find you, connect with you, and then from there you need to have like. I guess I'll, I'll use like fingers. You need to have extensions out um, on these, all these different platforms uh, like social media platforms, blogs, YouTube, anything where you're producing content. And then that's driving people back to your platform. So content marketing is really a, all about creating an, a, a place for people to go to, to connect with you, to get value from, um, number one. And then number two, how do you aggregate that content on all of these relevant places to bring people back to your platform? Now, growth then, like, you know, sales funnels, uh, doing paid ads, um, you know, SEO, all of that is kind of connected. But in terms of content marketing done right, you want to do uh, focus on organic reach first, because if you get a good organic reach and people are like seeing and responding to your content, um, you know that you're doing something right. And when you figure that out, then you start doing some paid ads and it just adds fuel to the fire. You got to dial in the organic reach first and really understand who is that person you're trying to serve and figure out how do you get in front of them in the best way possible. Once you get that locked in, then doing the paid ads, doing a sales funnel, things like that is, is much easier. Excellent. Um, just to clarify for the listeners, if they may not be aware what organic means, it's just not paid. So you're not spending money on advertising. These are all things that you're kind of doing grassroots. You might be paying someone to create that content for you or putting in like the sweat equity to create that content, but you're not paying for the exposure. So I just want to clarify that. Yeah, I thought sure. it I thought it was really interesting um, what you had to say about building like the solid content foundation first before you move on to paid advertisements. I think um, one of the biggest pushbacks that I get from clients that I work with, especially if they're starting out, they want like immediate exposure. So they jump they want to jump right into advertising first. And I totally agree with you that setting a content foundation could precede that. I think it's hard when you're up against the anxiety of like waiting for content to gain momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything um, that you do in marketing, digital marketing is not some kind of overnight success. Um, where that can kind of be the case is where you have a really large budget and you go to an influencer that has a lot of uh, followers and you say, hey, I want to do this sponsored post. Um, and then that's one good way to get immediate traction. But again, if your website is not optimized, if your current, if your social media platforms are not optimized, it's just going to be not as effective because people are going to look like, oh, this influencer is promoting this. Let's go check out their website. Let's go start to search it. Um, you know, search their products or services. And in that case, they're going to look at it and like, oh, this is not a trustworthy brand because they don't have, you know, all the kind of pillars that you need to have with a good website. Uh, again, really um, effective branded content with the images, text, blog posts, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So your point of like, you know, overnight kind of success and people rushing into doing content marketing or doing paid ads, 
I just, I, I think educating the, the business owner that, you know, things, uh, success takes preparation. Um, in most cases where I've seen really a lot of success in organic content marketing. So yeah, Larissa, you mentioned it's not, that's not paid, um, content marketing and then also paid content marketing, doing paid advertising and putting ad dollars behind something. Um, it's usually a three to six month process of seeing some results. Some things I can uh, get some results much quicker, like a month or two, but it's usually when I'm jumping in where something's already created, like there's a website that's already, op- you know, created and we just need to optimize it. So yeah, to your point, it's, it's, it's kind of starting out educating people on just what does this industry really look like and what does it take, you know, to be successful. Uh, one of the brands I work with now is a deep learning computer manufacturer manufacturer. I do content marketing for them, which is not, you know, that your audience here, Larissa at all. Um, but I'm just making this to illustrate a point. They have a very unique audience, but we have dialed in the process over about a year, two years actually of what it took to get connect with their ideal audience. And now it's 200 to 300,000 monthly site visitors just from organic traffic. That's people searching, typing in Google, no paid ads, nothing. So it can be done really, really well. Um, again, it just is not something that, you know, is an overnight su- success kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you clarified the timeline of that. I was going to ask you about that too. I think people, especially in e-commerce, it's so easy to set up a store. I mean, it's not going to be like the most amazing store, but you can sign up for a Shopify account today, put your products up and like, think that all yep. of a sudden you're going to start selling, but The reality is, especially if you're on a limited budget and you're kind of taking this approach that you're describing, it's going to take months. Mm -hmm. However, if you are consistent and committed to it, and I, I do believe this, like you're saying, eventually you are going to attract the right customer. It's just a waiting game and a commitment that I find a lot of people don't have to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Well, the if I may, Larissa, the best results that you can generate if you're going for a quick kind of action project. Um, I did this for a e-com brand I worked with. Um, I implemented three main things. I implemented an exit intent pop-up that was five to 10% off the total order. So before someone would leave the site, they would get that pop-up. And all you have to do is enter your address, get five to 10% off your order with this uh, coupon code did that, uh, added in a, a hello smart bar at the top of the website. So that follows you as you scroll up and down the site. Um, that included the same discount offer. And then we had an add to cart abandonment pop-up and an email, uh, like a pixel tool that we use to say, hey, you, we noticed you added something to the cart, but didn't purchase. Um, just wanted to remind you, hey, if you want, here's another discount for you if you're interested. Um, and then the final one that we did was um, another kind of uh, email uh, joining Uh, if they joined an email community, so join their email list, they got another discount. So those four main things, this brand was doing a couple thousand dollars on their e-com platform in one month. Well, actually for the first day that we implemented those four things, they had $2,000 of orders come in just using that coupon code. So if you go, if you're going for something quick, doing those four things right off the bat, 
um, I think would be one of the most effective ways to get some traction, but that's not going to be long-term success. Yeah. You're getting some revenue and my recommendation would be, okay, we got some quick hits here. How can we do focus on long-term growth? And that's through, you know, the other pieces of content marketing, your blog, your social media content. How do you promote, um, aggregate that content that you have that's really valuable? Um, and then what is what are those free incentives, again, that you're adding to people? One of the most effective things, Larissa, I've seen for jewelry brands that um, they're using for organic content marketing are, you know, like... Um, sizing guides uh, for rings, for bracelets, for necklaces. They have like an interactive quiz that people can implement their email in. And because they take that quiz, they then get a discount code at that jewelry e-com platform, that store. So that's another way to get people in and convert them, you know, if you're looking for uh, quick, quick sales. Yeah, those are great tips. I liked um, what you shared about like the exit intent, the um, abandoned cart, but also the trick is, I mean, you have to get people to your site first. That's right. So that's, right. <laughs> that's what the, that's the piece of the, in the puzzle that the content marketing plays, because mm -hmm. that's going to be what's attracting people to your site. So like you can have all these amazing tactics in place, but if nobody is visiting the site, it's not really going to make a difference for you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, a lot of people think that you need a lot of traffic to get some traction. You, you don't need a lot of traffic. You just need the right traffic uh, and then the ability to engage with that traffic. Um, because, you know, starting out doing for jewelry brands, since it's so visual, uh, doing things like Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram are probably the best routes to go. Just start producing some content on there while you do what we just talked about, Larissa, like, you know, implement the exit pop-up intent, smart bar, things like that. And then you're going to have, you're going to be ready for sending people to the site. Um, you know, in the case with this other e-com platform, they, they already had a pretty good, um, you know, organic um, so in search engines, they were ranking for particular keywords. Yeah. So like in this case, you know, having blog posts, having specific pages with a lot of those keywords on there is going to help you show up in, in Google and being in the other search engines too. So it, it can be done with a small amount of traffic. I mean, like, you know, this one jewelry brand I just worked with, they're only doing a couple hundred users every month. But, you know, when we worked with them, they were able to get a lot more sales, at least two, two X to three X what they're doing right now. And that's not a lot of, you know, traffic coming in. So. Yeah. Excellent. Do you see any disadvantages of content marketing besides the fact that it can take a long period of time for the impatient people? <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the biggest disadvantages is some people think that, you know, it's, it can be done very quickly. Now it can be done very quickly if you have a, a large budget to work with. Exactly. <laughs> most, most people <laughs> money, don't. Money, money, money. Um, <laughs> exactly. So like one of the biggest recommendations there just for time is like, um, record yourself just talking about your brand and your products. I think that's one of the biggest things in practice that because then if you record it, you can start to repurpose that into social media posts, you know, do live content on Instagram, on, you know, YouTube, things like that. It's being vulnerable and being authentic with people is a reflection of your brand. And they love to see that. So yeah, I mean, starting out time is going to be your biggest thing if you're doing this yourself. Um, and then, you know, knowledge of where to look 
for these specific things on what to optimize for your brand, I think is a really big disadvantage. Cause you know, if you're just starting your, your store or it's relatively new, you're like, people talk about digital marketing, marketing all the time, but you may not even know where to look and what to optimize on your website, what to do on social media, what to do for email marketing, things like that. So knowing where to look and just learning how to, I guess navigate all the info out there is another disadvantage. Um, Cause like for, I think Larissa, for you and me, you know, being in this industry for a while um, and these specific niches or verticals, we have an understanding of what to look for, but I think people just starting out, you know, that's, that can be a very, dis- a big disadvantage um, at first. So uh, I always recommend people to start, look at brands that you like, that you want your brand to be like, and start to reverse engineer what they're doing and how you can apply it to your brand. Yeah, that's a great tip. Also kind to to add to what you're saying, another disadvantage or maybe challenge I find, especially today with all these new platforms popping up, Clubhouse, TikTok, Instagram Reels, all of these new ways to share content, it's like, where do you focus your time and energy? And like, how do you choose the platform that's going to help you reach your target customers? Especially if you have a limited budget, limited energy and limited time, you can't be everywhere. So you have to figure out where to focus your time. And I think that can be a huge hurdle for brands to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge point there uh, because you can't be everywhere uh, all the time as a, as when you're just starting out. My, my recommendation and what's worked really well with the companies I've worked with is choose one or two platforms that you want to specifically like social media, uh, choose one or two of them and test out what works. Um, or you could start out doing like a handful of different posts on a bunch of the platforms and figure out which one is getting some traction a little bit. Like what are people interacting with? Is it driving some traffic back to your website? Things like that. Uh, and then when you kind of test that out, then you choose your one or two that you want to focus in on. Like for me, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram have been my best ones that I focus on just because a lot of the businesses I've worked with in the past, that was natural for them. I'm getting more into, you know, YouTube now, uh, Snapchat, TikTok. Um, but again, it kind it comes down to that unique brand identity, like for jewelry brands, it's very visual. That's why Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram, things like that, where you can not only do images, but video content, video is Uh, huge. One of the most important things you can do today. Agreed. So I'd love to hear about if you can speak in general terms, some of the results that you've seen with content marketing from both smaller brands and larger brands. Yeah. So, I mean, specifically like with uh, El Santo Mercado, one of the um, jewelry brands down in Miami that we worked with, um, amazing, amazing founder of the company. She is just incredible person. I love talking with her, but she had a few different businesses. She wanted to get into the jewelry, uh, to jewelry brand space with her Shopify store. And she's like, Jason, I have no idea what to do for like getting people to my site. So we worked with her, uh, came up with a unique uh, strategy on optimizing her website first to be able to have a place for the content marketing to be there. Um, And then when we optimized that, we started doing some regular blog content for her 
she had, I think, two or three Instagram accounts that she had either internally or had was a partner with. So we started to do some kind of a sharing strategy on there. And Instagram primarily was the biggest thing that we used to drive growth there. So that, and then she started doing an affiliate program uh, with her store with other people on Instagram. So people really enjoyed her products. They loved them. And she just reached out and said, Hey, you know, would you be interested in being an affiliate for us? And, you know, they, there was some kind of incentive financially that they wanted to promote it, even if they, even though they already had such a great experience with the product. So that was one that was really good. Definitely saw some fairly quick results. I mean, it was about two to three months that we started to see an increase in traffic, started to see more people coming to the site. And then, you know, doing the Instagram, it was about, uh, I'd say a few weeks of doing the posts where we, it was a little bit evergreen at that moment. But as you know, Larissa, some social media platforms, you know, it's a quick hit. You get a bunch of people in interest and then it kind of dwindles over time. That's why Pinterest is so great because it's a search engine itself. So it's evergreen for a long time, meaning, you know, it's up there. People can search for specific terms in your posts where like Instagram, you know, you kind of have a, it's a, a little bit fleeting. So that's one of the uh, great results that we saw for a startup organization more of like a, um, you know, doing content for a professional blog. Uh, we worked with the John Maxwell company. Um, so I'm sure most of you, uh, your listeners are familiar with John Maxwell being, you know, the leader of leaders kind of thing of wor world renowned expert in leadership development. But um, we specifically managed all of his uh, blog content for their professional blog. So a lot of managers, upper level leaders, we produced um, blog content from uh, John's pillar content, which were his books, his speaking events, things like that. So we produced regular blog content and then aggregated it, shared it on all of these other platforms like, uh, you know, complementary blogs that were interested in the same kind of uh, information. So that worked very, very well. I mean, couple hundred thousand organic users to the site every month just from that, you know, doing those blog posts and sharing it out. Um, and then I mentioned the deep learning computer manufacturer. That one's one I'm super excited about. Um, you know, they have these amazing products, but we just do um, effective content marketing, you know, really looking at who their ideal customer client is, understanding that, and then how do we create the content from what they're searching for, what they're interested in. Uh, and then I have a team of writers that I manage to create the, the content because over time they were making more money from their content marketing so they could scale up the budget, you know, to have more people produce content. So it's like, five, four to five blog posts every single month. As you can imagine, deep learning, it's artificial intelligence, it's machine learning. It's very, very like high level kind of uh, like deep, deep articles. <laughs> so, sure. you know, it's not for everyone. Uh, but that kind of example there is, again, as you can kind of see, Larissa, the commonalities here, it's true for every brand, no matter what size you are starting out or you're a little bit more successful. It's your pillar content your micro content and your social content, figuring that out and then creating the content, sharing it through that process works no matter what, uh, you know, no matter what level you're at. 
I love it. I just like, I'm getting so excited, like listening to your examples. I'm like, this is amazing. Well, um, I mean, Larissa, one of the, like Kevin Harrington, you know, we managed his personal brand. Like if you look at his website now, that was one of the projects I led with my team. Um, we produced all of his content. So, you know, Kevin being on Shark Tank, uh, being uh, the, the pioneer of the As Seen on TV brand and, you know, most of the infomercials that you saw like years ago, he was behind a lot of those. So he had a lot of content to work with, but yeah, we did the same kind of process. Our pillar content was actually a masterclass that we created. We created secrets of closing a sale masterclass. We had 20 plus hours of uh, Hollywood production quality content to work from. So this is like very high budget kind of work, but it worked because then we could repurpose it into blog content, guest blog uh, content, YouTube videos, you know, things like that. And then we'd have the basis for social content. So it works at all levels. You don't need to be, you know, a Kevin Harrington to do that. It's just what, obviously you can do more with a, a larger budget, but if you're just starting out, you can still do the same thing. It just might take a little bit longer and you might not have as many pieces of content. You might, yeah, to your point, Larissa, you might not be on all the social media platforms. You know, it might be on one or two starting out, but you'll still start to get results if you follow that strategy. Amazing. So you mentioned the word blog a few times and mm -hmm. every time I say that word to a client or someone I'm talking to, they like look at me like I'm a crazy person <laughs> because the, uh, nine times out of 10, they will tell me nobody reads anymore. What the heck is the point of a blog? And why would a jewelry brand want a blog? Like we're not a publication. We're not a service provider. We don't like exchange information or knowledge. Like we sell pretty things. And mm -hmm. I mean, I have my own answer to this question, but I would love to hear your answer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, again, it's, uh, if you don't know what to look for or have seen examples of that working, you might not realize how effective it is. So blog um, content is really, really effective if it's done right. There's two kind of sides of the coin here. You need to create the content that's really engaging and valuable to that end reader. Um, who wants to know that information. So you have to create the content number one, like, knowing what they're even looking for, what they want. So they might have a problem or a challenge. What's your solution that this blog post is going to, you know, help them solve, or they have something that they want. They want to know more about how can you unpack that? So product reviews, product roundups with, and product roundups, like, you know, what are the top five um, jewelry rings, uh, rings out there that you can buy things like that. Those kind of blog posts are really effective. Um, but again, it's effective if you do the authentic kind of content creation first, then you have to optimize it for technical SEO. And usually when I say that to people who aren't familiar with it, you know, it goes over their head because they, they're not, they don't know what to look for. Um, so it's usually a process of uh, optimizing headings on your blog post to make sure those specific keywords on, are on there. So if I'm writing an article on like rings, I want to make sure my uh, product names are in there or the specific uh, keywords that people are looking for on Google. You can easily find it by typing in in Google and looking at people also ask 
kind of section on Google as like a quick uh, way to do that. Creating headings there, adding in the keywords, making sure you break it down into you know one, two, three sentences per paragraph, have a call to action at the end. It's going to work really well. So starting out that and then just learning like how to do SEO for uh, uh, jewelry, uh, blogs, things like that. You've had amazing guests, you know, Larissa on your show um, for people to listen and learn from. So, you know, I won't go into too much detail there, but the, the benefits of blogs are you are capturing search terms that people are looking for. People are looking for your brand and the products you have, and you want to try to get in front of all the other brands that are out there. <laughs> so if you do that, though, by creating valuable content based on what they're searching for, they're going to find you. Um, now, to your point, people don't like to read anymore. That's at very, very valid, actually. Um, more and more people are getting to the point where they don't want to rate, uh, they don't want to read. So breaking up your blog post, once you get it created and creating a very short snippet at the top of like a summary of the entire blog is great to do to give like a TLDR, too long, didn't read version. Um, not only is that good for them to quickly read it, but it will actually allow you to get a Google snippet in some cases where, you know, your blog post, when they search for it, it'll show up in that kind of featured section. And that's your goal is to get there. Um, so that's one big thing that people don't realize that blog content is all about trying to get uh, search traffic based on what people are searching for. And when they read that blog, get value from it they're going to want to know more about your company. If you give some kind of discount or something in the blog, which I highly recommend, um, they're going to potentially use that to purchase. So that is a huge kind of tactic that you can use right there. But the other thing I do, Larissa, is because people don't like to read, I actually will do a Loom video of, and that's just a, a software tool where you record yourself sitting in front of this, uh, your computer um, and you just talk about what are the contents of this blog post. So you have the opportunity to unpack that in a video format for people who don't want to read. They can just listen to you and they see you visually. It's another really important cue because they can see your body language. They can see if you're trustworthy, that kind of thing. Um, so you give people the option then. And then two, because you did that video, you now can host it on your YouTube platform, which Google owns YouTube. So you get another opportunity to have search rankings in there of your content. So that right there uh, is one of the most effective ways to do a blog. You, you kind of, you use it to do text format, uh, and have, you, you know, use search engines to get you placements, but then do add in video. Um, you know, that gives you the opportunity to, yeah, host it on YouTube, share it on your social media platforms, like Instagram TV is a great opportunity to, to do that there. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that, you know, the six step process, if you're unsure of what kind of content to create, just do this. It's pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, problem, amplify, story or your solution, the transformation or your testimony, your offer, and then the response. Super simple. Fill in the blanks from there. You now have your outline to go ahead and start to create, ah, create, your, create your blog post. I feel like you're giving away all your secrets. <laughs> I mean, I give away so much because I, I truly believe, you know, every business owner 
is helping other people. I, I think as business owners, we have a responsibility to give back and help other people. For me, I've had the opportunity and the blessing to work with some incredible people, you know, the best of the best uh, in, in digital marketing and technology. And now I just want to be in a position to give it away to people. Yeah, if they want to work with me, great. But like I mentioned earlier, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very picky now <laughs> on, on who I work with, but um, giving away free content, every, I think everyone has the opportunity to, to use that and benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to add a few thoughts to what you said about blogging. So from my own experience too, I work with one jewelry brand in particular. We've been working on a blog strategy for like over a year now. Like it's been a pretty long-term thing. We blog about twice a month on different relevant topics that either address like frequent customer questions or like interesting um, topics and themes just related to the jewelry. And we optimize them with keywords that we've previously decided were appropriate. Mm -hmm. And this website has seen so much organic growth. And also the other benefit to add to what you said is like now we kind of have a library of content that we can go in Google Analytics and see like which blog posts over the past year plus have been driving the most traffic to the website. And then with that information, we know like what's bringing people to the site. Let's do more of that because it's obviously working. Or we can go back and take those blog posts and update them, make them even more robust, maybe even turn one or more of them into like an ebook or some kind of like greater asset that we give to customers. If you never blog, you really only just have like your internal website pages and your products. And unless you're updating your products regularly, it stays pretty stale. Like it's same, same all the time. But if you're constantly adding dynamic content, it shows Google that like you're up to date, you're relevant, you're interesting, and you're giving yourself more data because there are more points of entry for your website than if you don't have any blog posts. So that's kind of just to add more layers to what you said. Absolutely. I mean, every opportunity you have to create content to add to your site um, Larissa just mentioned it right there. You, in Google's eyes and all the other search engines, it's a huge positive that you can uh, you can have. Um, you know, the other thing too is looking at the data and pulling out those insights is like a secret weapon. Uh, I I don't think people talk about it too much. And you know, if you're just starting out and you didn't hear anything else in this conversation, what Larissa just mentioned there, start out doing the blog use that pastor uh, method right there for an outline. Um, And then start looking at your analytics to see what is resonating with people. Because that is your biggest indicators on what can I create that's going to be valuable to people. You know, I I mentioned early on in this conversation, uh, there's like ring and sizing quizzes that some of these successful uh, jewelry brands have. Do you think that they just woke up one day and are like, oh, we should probably do, you know, a ring sizing kind of thing because that's going to be our best uh, thing that's getting us uh, search uh, engine rankings or or uh, sending traffic to our site. No, they tested it, you know, with all these other things. So that's one of the other biggest benefits, I think, of content marketing. You have this whole kind of sea 
of testing things that you're you're looking at and then you you know over regular periods of time i usually do it every month for the brands i work with but you look in the analytics to see what's what's getting engagement what's getting conversions and what's not do more of what's getting conversions and do less of what's not <laughs> or yeah. if if it's not getting conversions what can you do potentially to optimize it so absolutely and i mean and that's why this stuff takes time because you have to amass the data in order to keep making better decisions moving forward but if you're not doing it at all then you're not going to have any place to start so yep yeah and a lot of people think you know, they can wake up one day and just start doing what all the successful companies do, but you have to look at what they did at your current stage that you're in. Like, you know, I mentioned Apple early on, people are like, oh, we want to be the next Apple, uh, you know, with our product, but you can't be the next Apple because they're at a different stage that you're in. You have to look at back in time, where were they at, at the stage that you're in? Yes, obviously there's some different things with technology, marketing that, you know, that worked well now or can work well now that didn't work back then, things like that. But there's, there's usually some indicators that you can look at. What can I apply that worked well for them today? Like Steve Jobs was not a programmer. He was not a technologist. He was an evangelist. He knew how to optimize something that was existing and communicate it in the best way possible. So that's the same thing with your brand. You might not need the best products out there. Yeah, it's great if you have the best products, but it's about how you communicate that, that that's going to move the needle that's going to get people to your platform. Absolutely. <laughs> so as we wrap up today, Jason, I love I love that as like a place to kind of land. That's such a good final thought. Do you have anything else that we didn't talk about today? Any final thoughts that you'd like to share? How people can find you, et cetera? What's what's down the pike for you? Yeah, I mean, not really any final thoughts. I, I'm open to any questions, Larissa. You know, I don't know if you want to um, give uh, the listeners an opportunity to ask any specific questions that they have, you know, based on this interview. Because what I would love is maybe at some point, Larissa, we could do a follow up, uh, maybe a, a, a FAC, a frequently asked questions episode with you, where we just dive into some of the questions from the listeners, you know, talking about, hey, what do you have questions about anything we mentioned with content marketing, digital marketing that might work in their situation. So I, I'd, I'd encourage that, Larissa, if you if you have thought about doing that or want to do it, I'd be open to that. Um, the, uh, you know, where, where people, if you have specific questions for me, uh, you can check out my uh, personal website. It's thejasonflagel.com, T-H-E-J-A-S-O-N-F as in fish, L-E-A-G-L-E. -E. I like to tell people it's flagel like a bagel. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, my Catalyst website is catalystbrandgroup.com. Uh, and you can learn a little bit me about the other brands too that I've got. I've got a number of other e-com companies. Um, I've got a software as service company that we're working on too. So yeah, very much involved in serving other people and helping them overcome their challenges and you know get to the, the destination that they want to get to. So yeah, let me know if you have any specific questions or want to know more. I'd love to talk with anyone. 
That sounds great. I'll mention in the outro how people can submit their questions because I'm sure that their wheels are spinning in their heads the same way that mine are as I speak to you. Um, so it would be great to do an FAQ and, and address all those questions. Well, thank awesome. you, Jason. This was such a great experience. I'm like, I'm just like so delighted about content <laughs> marketing that I love talking about it and I love hearing success stories. So it like lights me up so much. Well, um, I mean, same you. here. That's why I love to talk about it. I love opportunities like this. Larissa. So, you know, I, every opportunity I can uh, share with people and help them out in any way I can, I love to do that. So thank you so much for the opportunity. It was such a pleasure to be able to chat with Jason and be able to pick his brain about content marketing. As you can tell from my interview, I get a little bit excited about this topic and I was just lighting up about everything we were talking about. As I mentioned before, we're probably going to do a follow-up episode. Jason very generously offered his time, as you heard, and we would love to answer your specific questions about content marketing, about things we discussed in this podcast, or anything else that's relevant. You can submit your question by visiting joyjoya.com ask, and you can remain anonymous if you want. In addition, if you have ideas for future episodes and you want to share them with me, you can also use that tool to submit them. As a reminder, my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy, is now published and ready to ship. If you'd like to learn more about the book and how you can order your own copy, please visit joyjoya.com book. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com, where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.